0: now once again with today's carolina newsmakers here's don curtis brad Crowe is our guest on carolina newsmakers this week very fitting because we have a primary election i said less than four weeks it's just a little bit more than that i guess i didn't look at my calendar when i made that statement but it's coming up very quickly and as we have already established it may be surprising to folks to see that the election is so near and they're going to have a lot of decisions to make not only in the presidential race, but also uh, the uh, uh, races for the Council of State positions and the the governor and lieutenant governor. Now, the the way that North Carolina has uh, realigned their congressional districts, the congressional races are uh, pretty much set. uh, And uh, there may be, are there any races there that you think might be competitive, uh, Brad?
1: Well, the, the congressional district in uh, Guilford County, which is now the new sixth district where Kathy Manning is vacating her seat because she doesn't see it as a competitive race anymore. The Demo- the Republican primary over there is just an absolute Donnybrook between Bo Hines, Mark Walker, Christian Castelli, uh, Mary Ann Const- uh Jay Wagner, and then Addison McDowell. The Addison McDowell is a lobbyist in Raleigh, is making his first run into politics, has been endorsed by President Trump. Bo Hines, I don't. I reckon this is Bo's third run for Congress, because, it, or second run, that he, he was in the western part of the state. He moved to Fuquay Verena, ran against Wiley Nickel, and now he's moved to Greensboro. So he is moving districts to try and get into um, a congressional seat then Mark Walker probably is the dark horse in that race, simply because he's held the seat before. He served for four years, had looked at running uh, for governor, ran for uh, Congress, ran for the United States Senate two years ago against Ted Budd, has a well-established political network there. And I truly believe that Mark Walker it would not be surprising for us to wake up Wednesday morning, the March the sixth, and, and Mark Walker will have won that primary. Um, a very effective uh, retail po- politician, very well liked. He has a base too within the religious community because he's a retired minister. So, now, as I understand,
0: race, as I understand, Brad, in the primary this time, you don't have to have a majority to be elected without a runoff,
1: right? Correct. So if you get, I believe the threshold is going to be 40% in a competitive primary. Um, so that will be, you know, you, you won't have to have 50%. The other race, Don, is down just east of Charlotte that runs from uh, southeastern Mecklenburg, the Ballantine area, all the way down to Larnburg your old stomping grounds in Scotland County and that race is the Dan Bishop congressional seat. He's running a course for Attorney General, and um, you've got John uh, Bradford, who's a state legislator from Mecklenburg County, running in that race. You've got Mark Harris, who is the uh, pastor emeritus to First Baptist Church in Charlotte running, and then you have Lee Brown, who is former North Carolina president uh, the North Carolina Realtors, a very prominent, successful businesswoman out of Mecklenburg County. So that no bets on that race whatsoever. The, there's no telling how that race is going to come out. All the major candidates are advertising and campaigning uh, very diligently uh, there. And then the last congressional race uh, that I'm I think is going to be interesting is the uh well i say that I, I need to go back the open seat where uh, north carolina 14 is the speaker of the house is running there in that race and um that is an interesting race it, uh, the speaker tim moore will likely win that race um The North Carolina 10, which is Patrick McHenry's race that runs from Gastonia through Lincolnton all the way up to Catawba County. Uh, Pat Harrigan is running against Gray Mills there. And Pat's a former Green Beret special forces guy. Uh, Gray Mills is an attorney from Mooresville. That race, total complete toss up. And then finally, uh, in North Carolina 13, which is Wiley Nichols' current seat. Wiley Nickel is vacating his seat again because it's trending Republican, and there I, I, maybe 10 candidates are running. Uh, you've got Devan Barber uh, from Southern Johnston County in Benson, you have Leo Daltry's daughter, Kelly Daltry, a very successful agribusiness uh, woman out of Johnston County running. You have Fred Von Cannon, another successful businessman who can self finance his campaign running. Um, no Brad Knott, and the Knott's are, are royalty for the Republicans in Eastern Wake County, J.T. Knott's grandson. And, um, very successful landowners, uh, business people, so total complete toss-up. I there. I would not call anybody a front-runner in that race at this point in time. Total complete toss-up. And I will say this, every single one of the, the candidates that I named, Brad Knott, Fred Von Cannon, Devan Barber, Kelly Daltrey, all very good people, salt-of-the-earth people, Um who are running for all the right reasons so the the good news on north carolina 13 the voters of north carolina both democrats and republicans whoever wins the republican primary ends up serving uh will end up doing a very good job there what are the
0: issues that north carolina voters look at when looking at the congressional seats uh you know you already mentioned that a couple of uh, the gubernatorial candidates are actually talking about federal issues with which they really don't have much control. But what are the issues? Uh, Im- is, is immigration a big problem? Uh, what about the economy? Uh, what are the North Carolina issues?
1: Well, I think, Don, immigration's a huge issue. And the Biden administration's abdicated all their responsibility on securing the southern border. And I don't understand, you know, last week the president was making noise about, well, I'm willing to close the border. Well, heck, that's four years after millions of people have crossed into the country. And and yes, it impacts the border states, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, all in particular, and, and California. So I have applauded Governor Abbott's efforts to distribute some of the responsibility by sending uh, illegal immigrants to Chicago, to Philadelphia, to New York City, to Baltimore. Let some of these liberal uh, Democrat politicians figure out that this is an important issue, it's a national crisis, and it has to be addressed. With that said, both of the parties have not done their job on getting clarity when it comes to setting a national immigration policy. And it goes all the way back to George uh, H.W. and George W. Bush. And the Clinton administration failed to get any type of consensus. Our presidential leadership on setting an agenda, George W. Bush came very, very close, but they couldn't close the deal. So we need presidential leadership when it comes to immigration. We need to set the rules and then hold people accountable to those rules. The other issue that I'm seeing that's beginning to perk up that's going to impact our economy is the federal deficit. And I know there's some economists out there who say we don't have to worry about the debt. But I don't believe that. I I believe that the debt that's on the books is unsustainable. The spending that we have at the federal level is unsustainable. And I may not ever see it, but my nieces and nephews will pay the price for us running up the tab from 2000 all the way up to 2023 with a, a national spending of almost $30 trillion of deficit spending fighting wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the war on terror and, uh, just spending money that we don't have. And I'm afraid.
0: Interestingly enough, Brad, in that particular, uh, arena, both parties are Are guilty. guilty. That's right. That, you know, both parties are saying something has to be done. Well, the the conservatives are saying something has to be done about it, but they're not doing anything.
1: Well, and, and so Trump, administration ran up the debt on national defense, and then we had COVID. So I, I'm, I just believe at some point in time, I, I don't know what will trigger the event, but I think that we will have a day of reckoning when it comes to our national debt. If we have another national crisis, do we see hyperinflation as a result? Do we Do we impact the stability of the dollar on the international market? We've seen what rising interest rates can do um, to impact uh, consumer habits. You know, what do we do to rein in national spending? And are we willing, as a country, collectively, to tighten our belt? And,
0: Interestingly enough, a lot of the same issues that we are facing and putting off, China is already is already facing.
1: Absolutely, and and here's the difference with China. We're sitting here getting ready to, you know, we're fighting a war in the Middle East. We're we're paying for a proxy war in Ukraine, and China is investing in Africa. And we are, you know, getting ready probably over the next few days to attack Iraq-based military forces in Jordan and in Syria. And China continues to work on growing an economy. So we as Americans will go chase uh, the rabbit and uh, the Chinese are very much like the turtle in the race. They're slow and methodical and keep their eye on the ball. And we've got to realize that, that uh, Russia is a big country, but China is a major threat.
0: Well, and and the interesting thing—the difference between of course Russia and China—is that Russia is definitely an enemy. China sometimes
1: agrees with us. Right, right, and and we can do business with China. Yeah, you can do business with it. The other uh, issue I think voters are really uh, are going to focus on. There'll be two others: the economy, of course. You know, how are we moving uh, over to? a a service economy and an information consumer economy. Um, So I I laugh about the people saying we're in a service economy. I went to a restaurant in Cameron village uh, earlier this week and was going to order a hamburger and nobody would take the order at the counter. You had to go to a kiosk and order off, order off an iPad to get your, get your sandwich and i would laugh to said there's no service in our service economy Uh, but economic concerns clearly and then cultural issues i think uh, women's reproductive health uh, and the abortion issues just going to be really paramount in particular for the democrats to say that we want to provide access to women voters there was an article in the wall street journal earlier this week, Don, that talked about the movement afoot with the pro-life supporters uh, taking steps to really work with the Trump administration if he's elected president and really shut down and curb access for abortions. So the culture war will play a really important part. And does the the big question, I think, will the culture war— translate down to the state level and I believe that it will
0: well lots of issues and lots of uh, conflicting opinions Uh, some people are faced with I I believe this on one hand and I believe that on the other hand and one candidate has position I like on each of the issues that are separate and so they're going to to choose between our guest is Brad Cron I'll explain that later on our guest is uh, Brad Cron, president of Campaign Connections, and we'll be back with one final segment, and we want to talk about artificial intelligence in that segment. And we'll do that right after we take time out for these messages.
2: They are our cuddlers and coworkers, per machines and love bugs, and constant companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life so much better. When we face unexpected challenges in life, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people who love their pets, and the pets who love their people, ensuring these families stay exactly where they belong, together, and you have something to offer. With an open heart and mind, there's nothing you can't do. There's no gesture too small or too big when it comes to helping. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts you can help keep pets and people together. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit stoprex.org, A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.
0: Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. With our guest, Brad Krohn, I'm Don Curtis, and we're back with Carolina Newsmakers, and we are talking about the upcoming primary election. We've covered a lot of topics. We've left a lot unreached as far as time because we can't cover everything. One of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit, uh, Brad, is sort of a, not only this election, but the future elections, and that's the impact of artificial intelligence. And uh, there are two issues here. One is I'm not sure that anybody uh, is going to bring this up as a campaign issue because I'm not sure anybody has any idea how to control it. And if they did, I'm not sure the public understands it well enough for it to be an issue. But I believe it's a serious issue. And uh, it's going to have to be uh, uh, addressed. Now, that's issue number one. Issue number two is how does it affect actual campaigning? When you can create a voice that sounds just like a candidate and can put words in their mouth.
1: It's a real serious problem, Don. It truly is a very serious problem. And I never thought that you would live, that I would live long enough to see the day where deep fakes could be uh, deployed and engaged in a political campaign and the destructive factor that that they present in the today's communications and messaging just this month the biden campaign was facing a situation where someone did a deep fake of the president's voice and executed robocalls and thankfully the federal trade commission and the federal election commission got engaged in that process and they are still major investigations underway on finding out where it originated from and the the consulting firm that did it. But it is so important. I, I am a member, I've been a member now for 30 years of the American Association of Political Consultants. And one reason that I'm a member of that association is every member of the association has to sign uh, an agreement uh, stating our values and principles. And we gotta have political consultants and political operatives, campaign managers, political staff who are not willing to engage in such nefarious activities. And that if you do, you understand that you're going to feel the weight of both the federal government, Trade Commission, and the Federal Elections Commission, and hopefully the uh, local United States attorney uh, from the Department of Justice. Because It is not acceptable practices, and it shouldn't be used. With that said, we also, and the Justice Department uh, will have a task force this year, but also major platforms like TikTok and Facebook have a uh, responsibility to the American people to make sure that outside actors, whether it's North Korea, whether it's Iraq, whether it is China, or Russia, that the misinformation is stopped. And I will say this, uh, Meta and Facebook have done a very good job on synthesizing uh, the data process and really making it difficult for anybody to set up a a fake uh, Facebook page or to get information. They've shut down recently. Uh, last month, I believe over 13,000 pages that were questionable in their authenticity. So I know that that Facebook is is really working. Uh, I I have some friends who have worked on uh, Facebook in their legal department, and it has been a a priority for their groups like uh, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. But it it saddens me that people are willing to, to go there with the deep faith. Uh, no, you know, one of the big
0: issues that, that is being discussed, and we had Bob Orr, by the way, on the program to discuss college athletics, college athletics undergoing huge, huge problems through the NIL, the name, image, and likeness problem, the transfer portal, conference realignment, and the impact of television. And uh, everyone is saying that it's going to take congressional action. My question to you is, during this election, do you think any of the candidates are actually going to propose what they would do in the area of college? Because, as Bob Orr said on the program, he said, you know, Congress can't even do a budget for themselves. How are they going to solve, solve the uh,
1: sports problem? Absolutely. And, and you know, more importantly, I know everybody you know myself included in the group who watch uh, I'm addicted to uh, college sports both basketball and football so I'm guilty of it the larger question is how do we work to figure out to make college affordable for the regular you know men and women young men and women who are trying to go Not necessarily those who are getting paid $100,000 to go pay basketball at NC State or at at Carolina um, or at Duke. So you're right. From a political standpoint, I don't know if either party or any candidate will put forward a measure to say, here's how we address it. But I believe that, that we have some smart minds in this country, and Bob Orr is one of the smartest that we need to sit down and collectively think out how we want to go through this process. And uh, the the television industry as well, Don, because the contracts that ESPN, for example, have entered into with the SEC, I just do not see as being sustainable from a, a profitable standpoint because – they're losing eyeballs every single day with traditional uh, hookups and and people are going to digital platforms. And you know, I would argue I would argue to you that when I grew up in the late 70s when we watched an, a, a North Carolina State Carolina or a Carolina Duke basketball game on channel 5. There were more people watching that then than there are today, and when you take people away from over-the-air coverage, it is diminishing your audience. So I don't understand the the I don't understand the scheme with advertisers saying, "Oh, well, this is a better deal." Well, you've got fewer eyeballs and fewer people seeing it. So I, I, I'm on my soapbox, and I apologize, but I just don't understand that business model.
0: Speaking of Bob Orr, he's also uh, presently suing North Carolina on behalf of voters for fair elections. You might want to comment on
1: that. Yeah, that's going to be a tough road to hoe. With the United States Supreme Court taking the action that they have taken, saying that politics can play a role in the process, uh, it, you know, Bob Orr is a doggone smart attorney, smart man. And so I applaud him for raising the issue. I think it's going to be a really difficult case for him to get through. I think the race concern, racial concerns of gerrymandering uh, and dilution of one man, one vote is probably a, a broader, more successful argument. But I, I, I do say that, that Bob's argument that gerrymandering of having the politicians pick their voters versus... Uh, the voters picking their politicians, is a valid argument. How do we get away from gerrymandering? Uh, Again, smart people like Bob Orr have got to help us. So his lawsuit has very valid merit uh, when it comes to a philosophical standpoint. It'll be interesting to watch the legal dynamics in the race.
0: Well, of course, gerrymandering has found its way through uh, both political parties. And uh, to their credit, both parties admit that when they were in power, the Democrats admit when they were in power, they did it. So they they, they really don't point their finger as much at the the Republicans because they simply say, well, we did it too.
1: It's a pot calling to kettle black. And listen, the Democrats absolutely perfected it in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, Don, you remember, and I remember, and anybody 60 years old or older remembers, they had multi-member districts, so that would du- dilute uh, the vote of the minority in those districts, and the Democrats had, had pushed that uh, from the 70s and 80s. It wasn't until 1991, I believe, that we looked at single started looking at single-member districts, and that effort was led by the Speaker of the House then, Dan Blue. So, you know, there are 120 members of the state house, and now there are 120 member districts. So, yeah, we really do need to look at an independent commission, and I don't know if we're, we're going to be willing to go there, and the legislature, the Republican legislature, has no interest in that, and of course, they're coming back to town in May, and the big issue when they come back to town, I believe, the big scrap is going to be over um, the casino gaming, and and are we? You know, uh, the president pro tem was pushing for a casino up in Rockingham County in Leakes, in uh, Eden, and and Reedsville, um, and will we see that? There was a there was talk about putting a casino on I ninety five with the Lumbee Indians, and then a casino on I ninety five in Rocky Mount and so the the fight over casino gaming in the state and using casino gaming as a means to create revenue for the state budget as well as economic growth on job creation is going to be absolutely intriguing as the legislature comes back my bet at this point in time is that they will punt that the republicans even after the primary aren't going to want to touch that because it has the ability to upset the religious base within the Republican party, the Christian coalition and uh, conservative evangelicals, but it also is going to energize your uh, liberal uh, Democrats. So I just don't see the momentum there. And so that may be an issue that trickles over to the long session this time next year uh, in the general assembly.
0: Brad, you've got about one minute to tell me what you think we should be looking at uh, between now and the primary and between now and the election. That's a tall task to do in one minute.
1: Well, I think you're going to see a lot of advertising and a lot of communications. The big focus here in North Carolina probably won't be on the presidential level. The, the big focus is going to be on the governor's race on both sides of the aisle for the Democrats and the Republicans. And then the other focus is going to be on the lieutenant governor's race. Uh, those are going to be huge for both parties. And then the attorney general's race uh, with Dan Bishop on the Republican side. And in the Democrats, you've got Jeff Jackson, Congressman from Charlotte versus Durham County DA Santana DeBerry. So, um, they're going to be spirited primaries on both sides and we'll see how the the voters react and do we have high turnout for the primary because we're going to be a Super Tuesday state or not. I think we'll hover right around the 40%. We will see good turnout in November. The question is going to be, will the young voters turn out in November?
0: Great summary, and you did it ex- almost exactly in a minute and, and 10 seconds, as a matter of fact. Our guest has been Brad Crone. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com, carolinanewsmakers.com, and listen to the broadcast again or share it with a friend. program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he will have another guest for us again next week on this same group of stations. Till next week, same time, same station, have a good week, everybody.